0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Oh, ho, 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 and we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Rocket Mortgage giving away millions during Super Bowl 55 with the Rocket Mortgage Super Bowl Square Sweepstakes. See rules and enter for free today at RocketMortgageSquares.com. I still have the Rams. I still. I want to take the Bills so bad. Connor, can you talk me into taking the Bills?
2: Josh Allen's been great, Ken. He's he has, been great. Man. Offense is awesome. Uh, great I wanna offensive line. I want
1: to take the line. Bills. I want to take the Bills so bad. It doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong about this stuff. Does anybody care? Does anybody really care? I want to take the Bills so damn bad. God, I can taste it. They're going to have some fans in there. They had fans last week. It's a good – jersey you ever see Buffalo 66? Mom's a big Bills fan. Very crazy movie, man. Very crazy. Christina Ricci's in it. I got to go with my head. I can't go with my heart. I'm taking the Ravens. Straight up. I don't know what the spreads are, but I'm, I'm taking the Ravens straight up. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. It bothers me, folks. It really bothers me to do that. I like Josh Allen. I like the Bills. I like the Bills fans. Man, I want to take the Bills and I can't bring myself to do it. When I'm taking the Ravens. And I gotta take and I like the Rams on the road. I just like their defense. I like their running game. I think they can keep the ball away from Aaron Rodgers. I think they can go in there and they can make it a boring game. The the way that they're built, they're built like a a cold-weather Midwestern team. They're built like the Packers should be. Like Aaron Rodgers with the Rams would be amazing. They're built like the Packers should be. Defense is better. Running game. I like the run game better. You got an hour to talk me into it, Packer fan. You haven't done it yet. I'll listen to you. 8552124 CBS 8552124227. I like Wisconsin as much as anybody, but man, I can't I can't find myself taking the Packers here. Just talked to John McLean, Houston Chronicle, one of my favorites. Corrected me on a couple of things. I'm glad he did. We talked about the JJ Watt thing and whether or not J.J. Watt, whether he'd want to be traded or he'd ask to be traded to go play with his brother TJ Watt or anything of that nature. It it would be interesting here. What got me though I start to wonder about Big Ben and I start to think maybe Mike Tomlin and I may get killed for this but I'm gonna have to throw it out there do I wonder is it true that maybe Mike Tomlin might need a divorce from Ben Roethlisberger because last year's Steelers who were eight and eight mind you last year's Steelers stick out so strongly to me don't they and don't they to you this is a team this year started off 11-5. and five. They look like world beaters. I kept saying, kept saying, kept saying every damn week. We do on a Tuesday at 7 o'clock, we do a 7 in heaven. And it was who do we think is going to be in the playoffs and where they rank at the end of the season. So it's a prognostication every week. And it's usually, since we're in Cleveland, it's who where you we think the Browns are going to be. And I took holy hell every single week and I ended up being wrong. This is not a, this is not a champion's pose. This is not where I'm right and you're wrong. Technically I was still wrong. But every week I kept saying the, the Ravens are better, man. The Ravens are better. They're taking on water. They're losing games like one in 3 since week 7 earlier this year. They're losing, people are calling me out, and it looked foolish. And I'm thinking, who's – they're better. I know they're a better team. I know they're a better team. In my heart of hearts, they're a better team. Because when you see the Steelers and what they did, they lost one game, and you could see it where they were having a tough time against the JV team of the Ravens the week before. They lose one game, and they just rolled over and died. Except for Week 17. Week 17, the Steelers played tough. All the pressure was on the Browns in Week 17. They played as tough as they possibly could have. Mason Rudolph, dare I say, looked like he can conduct an offense. I don't think he's the future of the Steelers. I don't think he's a future franchise quarterback. I'm not saying any of that stuff. He looked like he could conduct an offense at a professional level. Played pretty well with the Steelers' backups in that game. Played pretty well in conducting the offense. Played pretty well, the whole Steelers team did. Got close, nearly knocked off the Browns, nearly ended their dream, nearly had a chance to play somebody else, and oh my goodness gracious, would have been a lot different. But Big Ben was back the next week, and there's so many different tentacles to the Big Ben conversation, and this is why I think maybe Mike Tomlin may need a divorce from Big Ben. Where Tomlin stays with the Steelers, Mike Tomlin stays with the Steelers, but Ben Roethlisberger rides off into the sunset. From 93-7, the fan in Pittsburgh, their own beat reporter, their Steelers beat reporter, and I think Philipponi's on after me, so I'm sure he'll talk even more thoroughly about it. Their own beat reporter believes that Ben Roethlisberger's played his last game with the Steelers. I think for the Steelers and possibly their fans, and certainly for Mike Tomlin, that could be the best game, best news that they could hear during this early part of their offseason. The best thing going for him could be that Ben Roethlisberger retires, and let me tell you why. You go back to the 2019 Pittsburgh Steelers. They lost Ben Roethlisberger after the first couple of games. They played loose. They played tough. They played hard for Mike Tomlin. Tomlin gets accused of being an overrated coach. At times, it feels like he is. He gets guys to go for him. When Ben Roethlisberger's been on that field, it's a different feeling. It's a different look. What Roethlisberger's entire career has been, and I didn't notice until Sunday night, he, co- he showed up, he was trim, he was in shape, he looked like he was ready to go. He looked as a 30, advanced age, late 30s quarterback should look. Quarterbacks who are going to play that long really got to take care of themselves to a crazy level. That's why Tom Brady believes he can stretch his bones. He's 43 years old. He better believe he can stretch his bones out because he has to remain in tip-top physical shape and talk himself and talk his body into staying at the tip-top physical shape. Ben Roethlisberger didn't do that during the season. It arrived to me, and I I watch every Steelers game this year, and it didn't hit me until that Sunday night game. I go, good God, Ben Roethlisberger looks like he's put on 30 pounds this year. For Ben, and this is why I've always said I consider his career, while he will be a Hall of Famer, a disappointment. I think if he put in the work that Tom Brady has put in in his career, it would be Ben Roethlisberger, the best quarterback of the generation, not Tom Brady his physical skills, how he could run, how he could move, how he could swat away defenders trying to tackle him, his very strong arm, his athletic prowess, if he would have put in during this, during his prime, would have put in the work that Tom Brady would put in or the work that Manning would put in, or one of the other great quarterbacks of the generation, he'd be the guy of the generation. And I believe the Steelers. I wholeheartedly believe this. It wouldn't be just two Super Bowls, which is an amazing enough accomplishment as it is. I think it'd be in the. I think it'd be in the neighborhood of four. And now, as Ben has become the senior member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, notice what some of the young ones have done. Because Ben Roethlisberger, you will be an example for the other ones. And last year, Ben was on the sidelines. He was trying to encourage. It was a very team-friendly atmosphere. He made himself look really, really good. Look like a leader. Look like a guy you could really count on. In twenty nineteen. And the Steelers did about the best they could have. They finished five hundred. They had they had some ugly, ugly wins over some teams and exposed some teams. It even got some coaches fired. It was some good stuff out of the 2019 Steelers, led by Mike Tomlin, led by Hart, and with a quarterback who's doing exactly as the offensive coordinator tells him. We blame Randy Feitner. People want to blame Matt Canada. But always the argument and Chris Muller's brought this up from ninety-three seven The Fan in Pittsburgh. He's always wondered whether or not Ben Roethlisberger calls the plays on his own and takes over. And it's been an understood thing over time that he will do that. What happens in these football games? If he's not going to do what's necessary and he's just going to create, there is a trickle-down effect to the other players. Guys like Juju Smith-Schuster. Now there's trash talk there. Chase Claypool, who doesn't seem to be able to absorb a loss the way a professional is supposed to. Ben Roethlisberger, his status against teams in the AFC North, his status as an NFL quarterback and a legend in his own right in this generation, that's defined already. All this is extra stuff. And I could make a joke out of it. I I could try to make it even more serious than I can and say, hey, you know, Sunday night was ugly. I don't know if you want to stretch that out over 16 games. I don't think you want to take Ben Roethlisberger's career and turn it into a Richard Petty fan appreciation tour at the end of it, where you're just kind of riding around and going through the motions, but you're not really that competitive and it looks a little bit sad at the end, but they get to see you one last time. I don't know if you really want to do it that way, but I'm not going to make a big deal about it because we always look at legends and we we remember them at their best. Franco Harris is not remembered for what he did with the the Seahawks. He's remembered for what he did with the Steelers. Namath is not remembered when he went out West. Unitas is not remembered for what he did when he went out West. We don't remember Jerry Rice trying to hold on to a roster spot in Seattle, in Denver. We remember him with the San Francisco 49ers. Legends are always remembered for their zenith, not at the end. And it would be the same with Ben Roethlisberger. And it would be better. You could bring back Ben Roethlisberger, and you could put that together, and you would probably have a stretched-out version Because it did start after that week seven win against Tennessee where Ben Roethlisberger decided to go rogue with a great big lead and things started to change and Tennessee nearly came back and got him. You can take what happened Sunday and you can stretch it out over 16 games and you could make an NFL season look like one of the biggest slogs you've ever been through if you're a Steeler fan. But you'd get to say goodbye and you know for sure. Because Ben Roethlisberger has proven he had that chance last year. He's not running it back to where he was physically before. As a supporter, as a basically an assistant coach last year, he was great in those roles. And they had some success. And it showed how good Mike Tomlin can really be. Mason Rudolph probably isn't your future. You can see how it goes with him. I'm not going to advocate losing. I'm not going to advocate tanking. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers are one of those organizations. I don't think it will allow themselves to do it. I don't think they would allow it. I don't advocate for that. You could make a trade and a draft and, and maybe go after your next guy. I don't know if you want to let him fall to you, but if you were to go out there with Mason Rudolph next year, maybe naturally you'd have yourself a top 12 pick. Because even though the Steelers have so much cap problems, so many cap problems, and so many guys becoming a free agent, it's still the Steelers. I still want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that you're not going to be a terrible three-win, two-win, suck-ass football team over the entire 2021 campaign. Probably six, maybe eight wins. Some fans would be upset, but there's still gold in them there. You can see what you can do with a young quarterback. Because when I've seen Mike Tomlin coach with that twenty nineteen team and with that week seventeen team this year, can't say that team didn't have heart. And a lot of the losses that they had this year, including Sunday night, they look like they didn't even want to be out there. One and five down the stretch. Eight five five two one two four CBS eight five five two one two four two two seven. Get some more of you guys coming up and Doug Peterson. Used and abused. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen. I'll stay. I also like to live dangerously. As you wish, sir.
0: On CBS Sports Radio.
1: Get into the phones in just a moment. Eight five five two one two four CBS. I'll probably go nuts about Doug Peterson here again. Connor's having a bad weekend. He fell off his bike. You okay?
2: I'm doing okay, Ken. But yeah, yesterday a little bit of a uh, fall in front of a crowd of people. Not too great, and my oh, wrist might be broken. Of,
1: you ate it in front of people?
2: Oh yeah, like a bunch, oh, like 15, 20 people, and they came over. You okay? And I was like, no, nah, I'm I'm all right, I guess.
1: So what were you trying to do? Were you try- how, how did the injury happen? Now, you li- now, wait a minute. It's cold weather there. Is it icy there? Did you slip?
2: It wasn't icy, but it was just that I was trying to get over the curb. I got on a weird angle. It was a bit of a high curb. And when I hit it, immediately my bike skidded out, and then I flew off, landed right on my hands like an idiot. People coming over, they thought maybe I was very badly hurt, and I had to swallow my pride and just go, no, and then bike off really fast.
1: How's your wrist feel today? It's like Adam Banks. Yeah, it's Mighty not. Ducks. It's not
2: too good. It's not too good.
1: <gasps> I'm glad you're okay. <laughs> I mean, i well. You know, I know your ankle's messed up, but I'm glad. You know, I'm glad you didn't have any other serious injuries. You're 26? You, you're riding your bike, huh?
2: 26. I'm a big bike guy. It's like what my favorite is exercise. Is I, it
1: like a mountain bike? Is it a speed bike? Do you have like an old mongoose? It's like, like a, a little
2: combo bike? between like a mountain bike and a bit of a speed bike. And it's new. Yeah. I got it for uh, the holidays. And now Oh
1: my! Gosh. I was afraid
2: I was going to break it. I picked it, picked it back up. It still rode pretty well. But I was afraid that the whole thing was going to be broken because I slammed it on the ground.
1: You poor bastard. You wanna know the, I, I'll make you feel better. I'll tell you the story of the fattest thing Eh. One of the top five fattest things that have ever happened to me. You ready? Yeah. When I was a kid, I was bought, I got a moped. I got a moped when I was 13. So this would have been earlier than that. I, by the way, I wanted to get one of those old Harley shirts that said, if you can read this, the you-know-what fell off and ride around on my moped because I just thought it would be hilarious to see some really fat kid in Perry Township, Ohio, riding around with a, on a moped with one of those shirts on. My dad would not allow me to get it. Either way, one of the fattest things I've ever done, I was riding my bicycle. I had this old... I went through a period of like three years where I had like 10 different bikes. I had my original bike and that broke and then I just kept going through all these different bicycles. And I rode my mom's bike at one point. Then I rode this other... like It was like a Kathy Ireland bike, but it looked like a guy's bike even though it was also a woman's bike. Then I basically found like a Debo Beach Cruiser, right? I'll never forget this. So I'm leaving. I had to, I had to deliver a set of newspapers to a retirement home every day. And they got like 14-15 papers like half my route, right? And I'm leaving and I'm and I'm riding away. It's cold weather. I remember I was wearing a Adidas jacket. And the thing was expensive and my mom got it for me for it had to be Christmas. And the weather's bad outside, but the weather had nothing to do with it. I'm on my bike, and I'm standing up, Connor, and I'm trying to get some speed. As I'm pedaling, I swear to you, one of the pedals, or excuse me, one of the bars that hold the pedal, not the pedal, not the pedal, like on the apparatus that turns, one of the arms broke. One of the arms broke. Oh, no. So I go down. I fall on my fellas, and my gut falls over the handlebars, and there was a spot where there used to be like a a ringer, like a ching-ching-ching-ching ringer, and it wasn't there anymore, but there was like this one like sharp piece of it still sticking up, and I basically stabbed myself in the gut. I fall over the front of the bicycle. Bicycle goes back over top of me and basically throws itself away from the accident instead of the person being thrown the bicycle was thrown right (laughs) and i'm just laid out and i i'm I'm sitting in my chair right now and i i still remember this i'm looking up it's a gray sky i am getting ready to ride into a a a, a trailer park community and as i'm getting ready to ride in there that's where i am a guy somehow saw me he comes out of his trailer and he's like hey brother you okay And I'm just looking into the sky, and I am just in this serious pain. And I look at him, I go, is my coat ripped? And he's like, nah, brother, you look good. And I go, that's the only thing that matters. My mom is going to kill me if I rip this coat. And he started laughing. He's like, hey, man, you want to come inside? I'm like, no, I don't want to come inside. And I just got the pedal, and I got the bike, And I walked the rest of my newspaper route with the bike. And you want to talk about one of the all-time pains in the ass, Connor. It was a pain in the ass to ride the bike. It was a pain in my – not even ride the bike, to walk the bike. It was a pain in my ass to walk the bike. It was a pain in my fellas to fall on the bike. It was a pain in my gut because I absolutely drew blood on my gut from the ring thing.
2: And that's the walk of shame walking away. What do you say? You can't say anything. You just walk away with with shame.
1: You think about the guy who had to be standing there on his porch looking at this fat kid walking an old beach cruiser type bicycle, holding on to his newspapers, contemplating if things are going this badly right now at the age of 11, how much worse is the rest of his life going to get? Something to think about, Connor.
2: <laughs> that makes me feel a little bit better.
1: One of the all time fattest things that have ever happened to me and my dad who is a tr- my dad looks like Mr. Burns from the Simpsons now but my dad has always been thin has always been trim and would look like a mini Hulk Hogan at one point and I'll never forget the look of just like how this th- <laughs> it's it's like made of iron how did this thing break son how did this thing break so yeah there's a lot of um there's a lot of self-loathing from the ba- from the old days back then
2: that wasn't your fault though, Ken. That's faulty bike production.
1: That's, that's not your fault. That's that's a that's a chubby eleven year old who probably or twelve year old who probably should have known better. Oh god. Does it make you feel better about yourself though?
2: It does. It does. It makes me feel like, you know, it happens to to the to the best of us and you just gotta move past it and forget now, about it.
1: Now I'm thinking about all the other fat things I used to do. Some of that stuff I'm not gonna say on air. I can't say the one I can't say on air. I'll tell you off the air. The one is so fat and embarrassing. It is so embarrassing. I can't tell you on the air. You'll think differently. Eight five five two one two four CBS. How angry was I about Doug Peterson earlier today? Scale of one to ten, there, Connor.
2: That was about a ten. That you couldn't get. You couldn't get past I, it.
1: I don't like doing rage radio all the time. I don't. I think that it's easy to take fake outrage or to t- to tell fake outrage. I do not like. Even though outrage sells. I don't like to be outraged too often. I'm actually, I think, outraged about the Doug Peterson scenario. I want to play a clip. This is from earlier today on NFL Network, I believe. Michael Robinson on NFL Today on the Carson Wentz scenario. Go.
0: I'm just going to say with every barbershop and every, uh, you know, everybody at work in their offices are talking about, right, this looks like the Philadelphia Eagles chose Carson Wentz and told the coach to go kick rocks, right? Um, At some point, right, if, you're, if, you're, if your franchise quarterback can't handle any competition around him, what makes you think he's gonna be, he's truly the face of your franchise? Why does everything have to be perfect for Carson Wentz and you got to make all these adjustments for Carson Wentz? You let a lot of good players go out of the door because of Carson Wentz, yet he played like he did last year. So at the end of the day, and I'm going to keep saying it, at some point the Philadelphia Eagles will have to move on from Carson Wentz.
1: That's Michael Robinson, NFL Network. Michael Robinson is dead on. I got some harsh truths to tell Eagles fans, and it doesn't make me feel good to tell you. And you probably agree. You Maybe you should agree. What I thought happened a couple of weeks ago, I, I was one of the people, and I, I, I know that you guys were all excited about your draft pick going from nine to six. If you're that excited about going from the number nine overall pick to the number six overall pick because you think you need that pick that badly, then you might need to have a problem at the general manager spot. Because if that guy can't pick somebody good at nine and you have to go to six, I don't think you can pick a guy good at six. I don't think it's worth it. That's a Howie Roseman issue. If you're doing all this because you believe in Carson Wentz, then why the hell did you draft Jalen Hurts last year? Again, that's a Howie Roseman if issue. If you had a coach go out there and embarrass himself in front of a national audience by playing Nate Sudfeld, again, who looks like he was born to be a third-string quarterback in the NFL, you have another Howie Roseman problem. But it's not just a Howie Roseman problem. And I'll do it again without being outraged because I don't want to get myself that worked into a shoot it. But you had a Super Bowl head coach. A guy who you'll be able to, you'll hopefully, in in, in time heals wounds, invite back, have at ceremonies for the 10-year anniversary and 20-year and 30-year anniversary and so on and so forth. And hopefully fans will be supportive. I think they will. But you have a Super Bowl winning head coach and a pretty decent offensive mind. I don't know if he's God's gift to offense or even God's gift to the position of head coaching. Go out there and have himself castrated on national television by playing the third-string quarterback over a guy who is supposed to be your future, and if he's not supposed to be your future, then why did you draft him in the second round? Why, if, you, if everything's for Carson Wentz, why didn't you draft somebody else to help Carson Wentz in the second round? and you can give me the crap about best player available, except that doesn't wash when you have what you believe is your franchise quarterback. And clearly, when you move on from Doug Peterson, you do believe you have your franchise quarterback. But it's not even just that. What did Michael Robinson just say? Here's the harsh truth. Here's the thing that you do not want to hear. When he says what he says about Carson Wentz, He's right, and I said it during workers' shoot because I was that upset about it. If we're looking at a guy where Sal Antonio was on the radio with us in Cleveland before the Steelers game or before the Eagles game and said that he doesn't know why people think so highly of Carson Wentz where he had one season of one good run that was close to an MVP and then it just vanished and we're still in year five waiting for that Carson Wentz to come back. Do you know what you have? You got Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton has had a nice career. Andy Dalton wasn't taken number two overall. Andy Dalton was taken in the second round. Andy Dalton had one run before he broke his hand, I believe in 2015, might have to go back and look, before he broke his hand that season, where for the month of October and through the beginning of the season, he was a legitimate MVP candidate. It was here and gone like a comet in the sky. And that's the way it looks with Carson Wentz, that you have given up everything and paid a tremendous sum for a glorifying Andy Dalton. A guy who, by all reports, and I'm not even saying the ones that were rumors, but has certainly panned out on that whole rumor about him not being a great teammate, who whines and moans and complains, and who also, by what Michael Robinson says here, can't handle competition. Because here's another thing you don't want to hear. I'll look at it from from a situation that's close to me. The Browns changed out a head coach. They gave a guy the keys to the franchise, and he ruined it. Baker Mayfield showed up out of shape in 2019. He didn't take it seriously in 2019, and he went out there and got hammered and looked bad, and people made fun of him. People called him fat. People made jokes about him and called him just another Cleveland bust. And when the Browns got ready for this year, yes, it was an understood thing that there was going to be Baker Mayfield at the quarterback position, but his future was not sold. People were wondering whether or not they'd even pick up the option halfway through this year. And they're paying $6 million a year to Case Keenum. Why do you think they're paying $6 million a year to Case Keenum? Because they want to make sure they have their veteran guy, just in case Baker Mayfield couldn't answer the bell. Well, the Browns are in the AFC divisional round against the Kansas City Chiefs, and will more than likely lose tomorrow, as much as it, makes me, it pains me to say that. They are an underdog for a reason. It's been a great season for them, and they've learned a whole lot about themselves. But also they've learned a lot about their quarterback that when the chips were down and he was actually faced with grown men in his face with real competition, that he could rise to that challenge, something I wasn't sure of after 2019. Up until this season, I looked at Baker Mayfield as a guy who punched down, a guy who was a bully, a guy who couldn't handle grown men in the NFL, and he proved those things wrong week by week by week. He hasn't even been paid his money yet. Your guy, on the other hand, can't handle that competition. Jalen Hurts, who's a second-round pick, doesn't want to be around it, doesn't want to have that handle, doesn't want to have a relationship with Doug Peterson. You may hate what I'm saying. You know it's the truth. You can throw as many Doug Petersons as you want to under the bus. I don't think it's going to change a damn thing about Carson Wentz. 8552124 CBS. 8552124227. Up next, it's just like you and your spouse when your neighbor moves. It's the same thing going through Nick Saban's head. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Right now it's the latest sports update with Marco Belletti. They say can be done. We've got a long way to go. And a short time to get there. I'm right run. You're listening it to cold. Ken Carmen on CBS bandit. Sports Radio. Speak now, forever hold your peace. Eight five five two one two four cbs Eight five five two one two four two two seven. I knew I'd get some Eagle fans coming after me. Hey, you know, I know it's tough for you to hear the truth. And I'm getting the Baker Mayfield stuff. Guys, it's not just... It is a situation that's close to me because I'm based here, but also you know it's true. He answered the bell this year. He's played better. Statistically, for in, in some of the advanced stats, it looks different, but yards per attempt, touchdowns are there, they're winning football games. The other guy has much larger physical gifts and has done nothing with them. You got one guy in one city. They bend over backwards for him. They offer him a significant amount of money. They give him a significant amount of money. They'll fire coaches over him. And then you got another guy in another city, and I'm not talking about Baker. I'm talking about Deshaun Watson, who, oh, okay, we'll take away a little bit of a running game, but we'll take away your we'll take away your number one wide receiver, we'll take away a couple of offensive linemen, take away some of that defense, have Bill O'Brien just make crazy trades, give you no picks to be able to help out. And, all right, you go out there and you win us football games. That doesn't seem right to anybody. Hey, you want to make Carson Wentz out to be that guy, you go right on ahead. But we're doing five years. And so if you're looking back to that one year where he was, he was really good. It was an MVP-type season. But I'm still waiting for that to come around. And again, why are you drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round? Because Jalen Hurts showed a little bit. Why are you drafting him in the second round if you're still going to go with Carson Wentz? Eight five five two one two four CBS. It's it's just nonsensical, and it falls on the shoulders of Carson Wentz, on the very fragile shoulders of Carson Wentz, with the fragile ego of Carson Wentz. I gotta get to Connor though. This is a strong, strong conversation here, because I, I want You're a Jets fan, right? Right, Connor.
2: I am New York Jets.
1: This is actually going to lead into something I'm going to say about Nick Saban here in just a minute. You have no idea, do you? But it's going to lead me right to it, baby. You're a big Jets fan, and I was saying, how do you feel about Robert sala la 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 being your new head coach, and what was your thoughts?
2: So I like Robert Sala, and I think, you know, a lot of people have been talking about the fact that he's in great shape, like he's, he's really in great shape. And they say the same thing about Dan Campbell, who might get hired by the Lions. He's jacked. He's in great shape. So my opinion on that, and people can laugh at me all they want. I'm laughing. Being Stickering. jacked or in really like ridiculous shape to where you're really built is not a good thing if you're a head coach. Because if you're spending all that time in the weight room, then you're not spending nearly enough time in the film room. <laughs> it's why Mike Vrabel will never win a Super Bowl, and it's why you'd rather have big old Andy Reid as wait, your head man. coach.
1: Wait, okay. Andy Reid won the last Super Bowl. Who won the Super Bowl before that?
2: Uh, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. There's Bill not been one wait, head coach. Wait,
1: hold on, hold on. Now, Bill Belichick isn't jacked, all right? Bill Belichick tries to keep himself in decent shape. He's just older now, man. He's in his late 60s. But, he, but you ask anybody – Bill Belichick wears the garbage bag suit and rides the bike like three hours a day. Bill Belichick will get his sweat going. That guy has – he's got good stamina. That sounded very weird to say. Bill Belichick is still in good – you can work out and watch tape at the same time. Bill Belichick's famous for that. Connor, I I think you're not looking at this the right way. For most NFL coaches – and you know what? We're going down this road. I don't care to hell with it. For most head coaches out there, it goes south. I think a good tenure anymore is six years in the NFL, a good tenure, six years, one playoff appearance, two playoff appearances. I think that's a good tenure anymore. Everybody else, and we can do this next week too, you're hired to be fired anymore. It's becoming the NBA. Guys are here and gone two years, maybe three, that's it. Most guys – and our, our status, like there will be plenty of guys who who are said to be bad football coaches. And I said, no, they're not. Doug Peterson will probably get another shot. He's been a very successful football coach. Other guys, they've been pretty successful football coaches. I'll find myself in some defense of Jeff Fisher. He had he had a longevity. He had longevity. He was moderately successful. He'd been, he had been to a Super Bowl, but other than that, he'd been moderately successful. He did have staying power. For all the jokes that are said, they kept him. Maybe kept a little too long. But guys get hired and fired very, very quickly anymore. So it's always going to end poorly for them. So what makes you feel worse as a fan? You look down on the sidelines. Things aren't going your way. You know that it's not going to finish out well for your head coach. Would you rather look to the sidelines and see a chonky boy like me looking not as good looking not as strong, or would you rather look on the sidelines and see a guy like Robert Sala? Would you rather look on the sidelines and see a guy like Sean McVay? Sean McVay's in good shape. You say he's not, like, jacked or anything. Sean McVay's in good shape. They're in good shape. Because I'll tell you this, as a person who is frequently compared to Chris Farley, Chris Farley did a lot of physical comedy. And you know why? There's a lot of things moving there. You get what I'm pointing out here, Connor?
2: I do, but So there's...
1: you automat hold on. As a, as a heavy person, there is a predisposition to people thinking that you are disheveled and that you don't have control over things. It doesn't do you any favors as a head coach. It do, You know damn well it doesn't. You know all the jokes about Andy Reid before he finally punched the ticket. So I'm not going to hold it against Robert Sala that he's in good shape. Connor, I think you're a little out of your element on that one.
2: I do think there's a difference. You can be in good shape. You can't be jacked. Robert Sala might be in the good shape category. Dan Campbell, in my opinion, is a bad hire because he's jacked.
1: So he likes to lift. Vince McMahon's been a very, very successful person over 70-plus years. Vince McMahon lifts weights, pounds the weights three three hours a day. Every day. Three times a day. What's the matter with that, Connor? You can be in good shape. You can be strong. You can look good. I mean, how many college coaches don't look that good? How many college coaches are big? can't really name a whole lot. Think about it off the top of your head. How many college coaches are really heavy-set guys? Not, I'm that, waiting many. For an answer. not that many. Not that many. You can't dig of any off the top of your head.
2: So maybe not heavy-set. I'm just against the super-jacked head coach. There has never been an NFL head coach that has ever won a Super Bowl that has been like really huge and really built. That's why I knocked down Mike Rabel a few pegs.
1: Well, I th- but I think you have to wait on that, and you can't say all that. And Connor, thank you very much because you lead right into what I'm going to say about Nick Saban. You have to wait on that because I think I think the coaches are changing in the NFL. I think that we're seeing a more cerebral approach, approach and we're seeing younger coaches. Before, guys used to be 50 before they got their first taste of it. Well, yeah, a 50-year-old guy is not going to be in the same shape as as Sean McVay, who was 30 when he took over. Guys are going to continue to get younger. When you're in your 30s, it's easier to stay. At least that's what they tell me. This is why, boy, I'm going to have hell on earth when I turn 50. You're supposed to be in better shape when you're in your 30s than you're in your 50s. So guys are older as coaches. If they're in their 50s, yeah, they're probably not going to look that great. But I don't think that the whole fat guy thing really works out in that case, which brings me to Nick Saban. How does Nick Saban compare with any of this? Well, I'll tell you when urban Meyer went to the NFL this week, Nick Saban, who's a legend and is the greatest college football coach of all time. I think we're willing to say that now. There had to be a moment with he and his wife where they sat down and they discussed it, or there had to be a moment where he thought about it. It's the same thing to me as when you're in a neighborhood, you may live in your house, you may have lived in your house for 5, 10, 20 years, you love your neighbors, you love your house, you love your town, it's a good school district, there's a lot of things that you like. But when you find out that somebody moved down the, somebody down the street moved away or is selling their house and they're going to get over asking price, you can't tell me that you didn't think about it. We all think about it. That's how I moved from the town I used to live in to the town I live in now. You think about it, and all of a sudden, the wheels start to turn, and away you go. And there had to be a moment this week where Nick Saban took, and I know he's as driven as it gets, and he looks like he's miserable all the time. There had to be a moment where Nick Saban and his wife, or Nick Saban just by himself, thought for a moment what it would be like if they go back. But the whole conversation that Connor and I had is probably why Nick Saban shouldn't go back, because... I can't think of anybody off the top of my head who is a little punchy, a little bit of a chunky boy, who's in the NFL or who is in college football. College football, and I know Nick Saban's probably had some work done. He's a millionaire. He's in his 60s. I don't think that naturally, yeah, you're going to look – I think that he would probably have the jowls of Bill Belichick had he not got work done. But college football keeps these guys young. Nick Saban, 69 years old. Hell, he looks better than what he did when he was coaching at Michigan State 30 years ago when he was in his 40s, when he was in his early 40s. He looks better now. The money's there. The lifestyle's there. You're dealing with young people. You're known as an educator because you're a state employee. So there might be some class that he teaches that I don't know about off the top of my head. It keeps you young. In the NFL, and Urban Meyer is going to find this out, Really, because he's heard the stories. It's not like he's going in and he doesn't know this, but it grinds you. And you might not be on a plane every day, and you might not be flying to different cities and different towns and meeting with mom and dad and aunts and uncles and all this other stuff, but it's a grind. And in the NFL, there's just less time because there's so much more paranoia. So much more paranoia of what the other guy's doing, what the other team's doing. That's why coaches hold stuff back in football games, and we can't believe that they do it. Or they'll show things in certain football games just to put something on tape that their next opponent might spend an extra 15 minutes on that instead of spending an extra 15 minutes on something that you're really going to use. And Urban Meyers is paranoid as it gets, just like Nick Saban would be. And in college football, especially at that level, Nick Saban, while yes, is miserable during a lot of his life because he's a very competitive person, probably sleeps a hell of a lot better at night at Alabama than he ever would back in the NFL. I think he's thought about it. Absolutely he's thought about it. He knows that there's one blemish in his career, and while it may not very well be his thought because the Dolphins didn't want to go after Drew Brees or whatever the story is, there is one blemish in his career, and it's that to a lot of people, they just feel he fizzled out in the NFL. He's a competitive guy, and that bothers him. But to what Connor said, how many NFL football coaches can you look at and go, oh boy, the years have been rough on that guy. Now, things might be changing here very soon, but you can see a lot of guys, they look like they age like presidents as NFL football coaches. College football, a lot of working out, a lot of young stuff, doing some other things, a lot of recruiting, a lot of movement. Keeps you young. And for a guy like Nick Saban, who now at 69 years old, has done the whole thing in the NFL before, did the Miami thing, Alabama, he's done college, he's done pro, he's done it all. I think he's living a pretty nice lifestyle. He's probably really liking it. But when Urban goes to the Jaguars, and if Urban's successful, and I think he can be pretty successful in the terms of maybe a five, six-win season this coming year, maybe playoffs the next year or just under playoffs the next year, but over 500. Saban is still a young 68, 69 years old. He'll be 70. He'll be 71. There might be a chance. Might be a chance, even at that age, where I think Nick Saban can coach probably another six, seven years if he really wants to. He might not want to, but where he'd think about it. Big thanks to Anthony Pierno, Connor Green, Marco Belletti, Erica Herskowitz. I'm so sorry. I was looking at the wrong sheet. Erica Herskowitz is fantastic. Up next, Andrew Filippone. I'm Ken Carmen. Have a wonderful weekend, friends.